going on guys what's going on i hope you guys are having a good night it is uh saturday night right now it is july 2nd and uh the fourth of july weekend and i wanted to come in and um do something that i do sometimes on saturday night i call it dr boyce exposed and that is where you can ask me any question and i'll give you an honest answer so if you um have a quick question and it's very short uh, i will give you a short answer I want to say hi to everybody. I hope you guys are having a good holiday weekend. And uh, I'll start off uh, before uh, I, I get to your questions. I'm going to start off with something that was on my mind. Um, I was uh, today. I mentioned something. I I tweeted on uh, my Twitter is Dr. Boyce Watkins and the number one Dr. Boyce Watkins one. And I tweeted something like, "I want my kids to be millionaires." And I I noticed that there were some. Uh, some people that said, I, I don't want my kids to have it easy. I, I want my kids to suffer. I want my kids to struggle. And I thought that was really interesting. And I really think that as black people, we got to sort of process what that means when we say we want our kids to, to suffer. We want them to go through what we went through, uh, stuff like that. Uh, because a lot of what you went through might have been bad. I don't know. How many of y'all <laughs> give me a yes or no? And by the way, if you have a question that I miss while I'm, while I'm doing this quick little uh, conversation. Just repeat the question. Uh, if I miss it, just repeat it. I'll answer it. But uh, how many of you went through like traumatic stuff as a kid? Give me a yes or no if you went through something traumatic, something that was terrible. Uh, and I, I'll say this. I think that for a lot of us, the stuff we went through was not stuff that a kid is supposed to go through. And I really think that, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying spoil your kids. I'm not a fan of spoiling children at all. Um, I, I think that spoiling your kids does make them kind of a terrible human being. And nobody will want to marry a, a spoiled child. Nobody will want to be friends with a person like that. I had spoiled friends growing up and I didn't like them. But at the same time, I think that giving them some opportunity is a good thing. Uh, that means, you know, investing for your child, that should be mandatory. That should be a requirement, just like feeding your child. You know, because I, I thought about this and I said, how is it? Pay attention now. How is it that we have so many black kids in our community that are 14, 13, 14 years old? They know more about dribbling a, a damn basketball than they know about um, earning money in a, in a healthy, honest, productive way, other than going to work. <laughs> they don't know nothing about investing, nothing about real estate, nothing about starting a business, nothing about the things they're going to need to know as an adult, but they know everything about football, basketball, twerking, dance competitions, cheerleading, all that stuff. Now, process this. That 14-year-old, in just 16 years, he's going to be a 30-year-old. And let me give me a yes or no. Do you think that most of these 30-year-olds are going to be playing football when they're 30? Uh, do you think most of these 30-year-olds are going to be uh, playing basketball full-time to make a living? Uh, they, they might still be twerking, right? The twerking is universal. But, but, out, but that ain't going to pay the bills. Well, maybe for some people. But then again, I assume you don't want your daughter to have to twerk or your son to have to twerk to pay the bills because now they got the boys twerking. You know what I'm talking about. The, the boys in there, everybody twerking now, right? So I would just say to you guys, look, I mean, success is easy. I, and and I, 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 can, I say that because I'm 51. I, I probably couldn't have said that when I was 31. But as a 51-year-old professor who's an expert in economics and money and how people make money and all this stuff, success is easy. <laughs> a big part of it is, is, is just moving yourself forward in the future. In fact, today in the Black Business School, we had a guest by the name of um, Danielle Leslie. Danielle Leslie has made, she made $20 million or something last year. I mean, she's a, she's a beast at it. And one of the things that Danielle mentioned was she said, I like to time travel. And I was like, oh, time travel, explain that. 
And she said, I, I take myself forward. I think about where I want to be in the future. And then I start making plans to be that person in the future. So I think I would encourage you to do this. Here's my little secret of success. You know, I don't, I'm not just here to just always just shoot the shit with you. I want you to actually be better when we're done it, but I'm not trying to be preachy or teachy. Feel free to ignore it. But I want you to time travel, especially if you have kids. Every parent with a child needs to be a time traveler. And I need you to look at that little 12-year-old <laughs> and, and re remember they're not going to be 12 forever. They're not going to be 12 for very long. And I want you to time travel and imagine them at 30. And then I want you to think about like what skills are they going to need in order for them to be successful at the age of 30? And I guarantee you football and basketball will probably not be uh, one of the skills that they will need in order to uh, feed their children, take care of their spouse, or live a dignified, safe, productive life. So every child, if you got a child, get your child exposed to simple concepts related to investing teach them things. Then also give them some assets. You got time. Start investing for them now. That $5 a day plan is magical. That's powerful. You do that. <clears throat> I don't care if you never went. You, you could be a person that didn't even go to high school. And if you follow that $5 a day investment plan I've been talking to you guys about, again, remember, I'm not a regular guy. I'm a professor. This is what I do. If you follow that to a T, your child's going to be doing better than 95% of all the white kids out here. Forget the racial wealth gap. Forget about, oh, I'm, I'm black. I'm struggling. I'm black. It's hard to out here, baby. I get it. I hear all that. But the reason that it's hard for you is because nobody prepared for you. Nobody laid a bed for you. Nobody gave you an inheritance. Nobody gave you assets. Nobody made a plan for you. Nobody time traveled for you. So we got to be a little bit smarter. Remember, this is for this platform is for intelligent black people. It uh, doesn't mean you have to be there. It just means you have to want to be intelligent. We must honor intelligence. Uh, media feeds you ignorance. Media teaches you to honor the ignorant. It teaches you to honor the self-destructive. It teach you teaches you to honor those who are pushing you backward. I'm not here to push you backward. I'm here to push you forward. I want to push you forward to the future. So give me a yes in the chat. Give me a yes if you're hearing what I'm saying. I don't mean to be preachy on this Saturday night, but that was on my spirit. And I thought about it all day today. And I said, man, if if parents would simply think about what their child is going to need at 30 and give them those skills now, give them those resources now, those kids will be ready. You know, think about how many people have to make terrible, horrible, really stressful decisions just because they don't have enough money because they can't buy groceries. Groceries ain't that expensive if you got the bread, but they're incredibly expensive if you're struggling. You know, if you ain't got no money at all and no way to get it. You know, I watched this show uh, on Netflix called um, Good Girls. It's called Good Girls. And on this show, all this show's about is, is, is three housewives, well, two housewives and a, and a young lady that are struggling for money. They can't pay the rent. They can't buy food. So they start doing all kinds of stuff. They almost get them 20 or 30 years in prison. They start, uh, they start uh, counterfeiting money. They start selling drugs. They start doing all this crazy stuff. They got guns pointing at their head and all kinds of stuff. It's a good show. But think about this. Pay attention now. If you watch the show, if you, if you can visualize what I'm talking about, Imagine if every one of those girls had a parent who did some, who just invested tiny amounts of money for them and let that money grow and didn't sell any of the assets. And they had a hundred thousand dollars in the bank. You know, that's what it does. I told you the $5 a day plan basically says that if you invest $5 a day on average, which is less than a McDonald's happy meal, and you do that consistently over a 10 year period, you'll have $29,000 liquid approximately at the end of that decade. At the end of 20 years, you would have about $102,000 liquid, liquid, not net worth. I'm talking about cash money liquidity, right? Third, uh, you do a 30 years, you got a quarter of a million dollars almost. 
right? It's not exactly precise for every uh, economic uh, environment, but it's very, very easy to do. And uh, and again, if you're not sure, the ebook is free. Just go to boycewalkins.com or you can hit the link in the bio uh, on my Instagram and you can go there to uh, and you can get the book. And, and the reason I bring this up is because I look at that show and I see these women in these terrible situations having to do all kinds of crazy stuff in order to get money and all those problems would be solved if if they had a, a daddy that could write a damn check or if they had a mama who had made some investments for them. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I hope I hope this makes sense. All right, guys. Um, let's see. Somebody says my camera is glitching. It's glitching. Am I glitching? I hope I'm not glitchy. All right. So how about this? We're going to do uh, Dr. Boyce Exposed where I'll answer your question. So give me a short question. I will give you a quick answer. So uh, I see Lynette. I see your question, Lynette. Uh, if you can, can you shorten the question a little bit? If you give me a short question, I can give you a short answer. It's hard to get to get uh, super long questions, but let's see here. Um, let's see. Uh, okay. Uh, let's see. I have a question, Dr. Boyce. Do you wish in the back of your mind Alicia gave birth to your children exclusively? No. Uh, no, I don't. Um, I mean, I love her, you know, and, and I mean, if I could go back in time, I would have married her, you know, 25 years ago and had kids with her. But uh, what actually is true is that when I chose to get married, I actually uh, was I like children. Children are fun for me. I don't know about, you know, I don't get these guys that are like that think kids are just a pain in the ass. Some kids are. I think black children are awesome, you know, especially when they want to learn and they want mentorship. So I truly enjoy that. So with, when I got married um, uh, and I had no shortage of interested women that, you know, I, I'm a millionaire. So it's very easy to find and I'm not incredibly ugly. So it's very easy to find opportunities. Let's just say that. Uh, but I've never been a gigolo or a player, player, none of that stuff, because I, I respect, uh, you know, people's bodies and the power and the importance of sex and relationships. But there was there was opportunities out there. But I specifically wanted a woman who was this is why I took this is why I didn't agree with everything that maybe a Kevin Samuel said when he says women over 35 are the leftovers. First of all, I thought that was kind of mean. You didn't have to say it that way. But then also I didn't agree because I didn't want to date any women under 35. I wanted uh, a mature woman uh, who still looked good. Uh, who could uh, help me be a better man, you know, and who could who would get me to do the things I needed to do to have a better life. Like my wife got me running and losing weight. And I appreciate that. I, it was stressful, but I, you know, I'm glad I look, I look better now than I did six years ago. And the other thing was I was OK with, you know, and actually probably more intrigued, like not only say I had a preference for women, for women that had kids. But as long as your kids are not crazy and evil, you know. I, it's fun. Like I like, I teach children for a living. So being around children was always like, you know, a lot of fun for me. I'd always wanted to be a dad. I just was very busy when I was younger and I didn't want to start over though. I didn't want to be 48 years old changing diapers. Uh, so having a child that was a uh, tater, my, my little baby, the one that y'all see on my Instagram, uh, I do TikToks with her and all that. Tater was seven. Ta her name's Taylor, but I call her Tater or Tay Tay. Um, well, she was seven when I moved into the house. The other, uh, the other one was 10, uh, Nicole, and then Quincy uh, is, he's now 19. And I have a great relationship with all of them. And I enjoy it that way because I didn't have to start over from ground zero all over again. I didn't want a newborn. I didn't want to have a newborn baby. It's just, it's very tiring. Shout out to the parents that are really doing it. It's just a lot of work. So that's my honest to God uh, truth on that. And I encourage anybody, um, men or women, like, you know, date how you want to date. Like, don't let what's popular on the internet shape how you view your relationships, because you know, I'm going to tell you, I'm, I got to warn you, when you listen to outsiders giving you advice on something as personal as your relationships, they'll give you some stupid advice, have you do something real stupid. Next thing you know, you'll spend your life regretting the fact that you let go of the love of your life 
because some dude on the internet told you that you need to put your finger in her face and tell her off and you know control her and all that like that like man just don't do that man like be a man just do what you want to do that's to me that's part of manhood uh question dr Watkins, you have gone on record with your critiques of black men especially in the black manosphere of late what have you done specifically to reach out to them for dialogue uh i've always invited them for dialogue actually that's a good question mamia um every single person i've ever spoken about which honestly isn't that many i've always invited them for dialogue uh the late kevin samuels rest his, rest his soul rest in peace uh, I did. Uh, Kevin did a whole video about me years ago, and uh, he didn't. He didn't say anything negative, actually. And he he's, he's mentioned my wife on his channel. I don't think he said anything overly disrespectful. Um, and uh, and you know, with Kevin, I was I would have been more than happy to talk to him. But Kevin went, and I think his channel kind of blew up um, for whatever reason. I reached out, and he didn't reach back out. So maybe he just didn't want to talk to me. Uh, but the um, other thing was uh, there were there was maybe one or two of like I think like Kwame Brown had a lot to say. And I was reaching through to him through back, back channels. Um, I didn't watch any of the videos, but I heard he was making a lot of videos about me. So apparently something was really bothering him. And I'm, my feeling is always like if you're a man, you're willing to sit down and talk to another man eye to eye, face to face. So I was always willing to like, I was like, look, hey, let's just sit down. Let's just shake my hand. Let's look each other in the eye. And everything you said online, I want you to just say it right to me so we can really talk it out. And I can understand where this is coming from because I don't even know you. You know, so ultimately, um, I'm not critical of the manosphere. I am supportive of black manhood ex extensively. You guys have heard me consistently talk about the emasculation of the black male. I just want you guys to have a diverse view of what manhood looks like, um, you know, instead of like the false. I think people feed you a lot of lies. They tell you things that you want to hear. Um, they, they can feed you toxicity because they can build off of your um, resentment, your triggers, your trauma. And there's plenty of people online who are very happy to take black trauma and build on it to get you to hate the black woman or to hate the black man. I believe you can be a full fledged, full grown stand up guy, a powerful man and not have to hate black women at the same time, because that's just kind of it's I, I think it's a little bit bitchy. And I think it's also not productive and it's also not pro black because all of us come from a black woman. So when I stand up and I hate the black woman or I'm beating up on black women every day. I'm really beating up on my mother and I'm not going to beat up on my mom. I'm, a, I'm here to protect my mother. Masculinity is protective. It is not um, predatory. So that's my part. So my problem is not with the manosphere. It's with, with the predatory parts of the manosphere or the parts that just are not logical and uh, somewhat disrespectful. So, uh, so, you know, if anybody misinterprets that, that, I can't help that. But I told them, you know, I always tell them like, hey, you, you know, you're welcome to reach out to me. I'm like, I'm not some magical Jesus figure that you can't touch. Um, I've told these guys that do the videos. Um, one guy did a lot of videos. I forgot his name. He has his name's Osh O'Shea Jackson, but I don't know him. Um, and I thought that was weird because I know Ice Cube. I know O'Shea Jackson. Like he and I are friends. And I'm like, is his name O'Shea Jackson too? Or did he make, did he take another man's name? I thought that was a weird, I'd love to ask him about that, but I told him, I, you know, but maybe it's just a parody, you know, maybe people just, that's just what they do. They just make fun and think it's funny or whatever, but it's fine. I, I don't, it does, it, it's not, it's cool. Uh, let's see. I'm needing a real answer. Okay. I gave you a real answer. I don't know what your question was, but you got to repeat the question. All right. So let's see here. Next question, Rodney, what financial advice do you have for a young doctor making six figures in terms of managing money and keeping it with the black community? Great question. Uh, number one, uh, make sure you invest as much as you put as much money into your investments as into anything else. Uh, if you're a young doctor making six figures, that's great because you have a lot of income and a lot of cash flow, which gives you a lot of opportunity to build wealth. 
but there's also a chance you probably have a lot of student loans and stuff like that from medical school, unless you were lucky and don't have any loans at all. Uh, I would not rush to pay off those student loans necessarily. I would actually take that money, put it toward, uh, you know, things like home ownership. You know, real estate is a great way to build wealth. Also, stock market investing is a great way to go. Um, I would also say um, that perhaps if there's a way to get involved in a side hustle uh, that doesn't take a lot of your time, that might work. Uh, remember, I think as a doctor, what's cool about being a doctor is that you're smart, you know how to study, you have a lot of skill. And I've seen a lot of doctors pivot slightly and literally find a lane that nobody else is in and end up making more, 10 times more money than the average doctor. So, you know, a lot of us grew up in this world where we thought, OK, if I want to make a lot of money, I got to go to school for a long time and then I'll make 200,000, 300,000, 400,000. I know people who make $400,000 in a week and didn't go to college, you know. So so the biggest skill out here, if, if your person trying to make money, it ain't going to school for 10 years like I did. I went to school till I was 31 years old. The best ways to make money is like if you learn business and sales and e-commerce and, and how to scale up a business. That's how you make the money. Like the people in Lamar Tyler's group, Traffic, Sales and Profit out of Atlanta, most of those black folks in that group are, are millionaires. They're cracking six, seven, eight figures. You know, so, um, you know, I think the world has just changed. And so I would say as a young black doctor, if you love what you do, you know, then keep doing what you're doing. Uh, take that cash flow. You know, I will pump it, pump it heavy into your 401k, your tax deferred stuff, stuff like that. But also, you know, go into real estate so you, you're diversified. But then also be prepared for that next move in case you get tired of your hospital or you get tired of the profession. My sister is a medical doctor and she still does autopsies, you know, and she makes a lot of money doing autopsies. And she but she was tired. She worked at um at some hospitals in Chicago and it was it was burning her out and she was working her butt off and just getting that little paycheck. And it, it, it seemed nice at first. But then after a while, it didn't feel so nice. So what she did was she slightly pivoted where she didn't go straight 100 percent entrepreneur. But she went and worked for a doctor that had a business where they were paying her more money to do the autopsies. And she was able to do contracts with different places. And now she goes out and that, that girl be killing. I mean, that girl makes she does as much money as she needs to do whatever she wants. So 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 I would say if I'm a black professional, I either um, I either if you hate the profession, you leave it and you find a new skill. You get with some people that learn how to know how to do businesses or you find a hybrid where you can still take your superpower and just apply it in a different way. For example, I, I'm, I'm an example. I was a professor at Syracuse University. I was making $115,000 a year, which was a lot of money back in 2001. It's, I guess it's still a decent amount of money now. And uh, I didn't enjoy the environment. It was somewhat racist. The school wasn't really ready for somebody like me. So I took my superpower and I was still a professor. I was still doing research, but I just did it in a different way. And it worked out very well. You know, so that's my two cents. So be flexible. Find out all the options that are out there. All right. Let's see here. Do you believe in whole life index universal life policies for black folks? Yeah, I do. I mean, I think that they're a nice vehicle. I don't see them as the optimal vehicle all the time. But I've, I've seen people you know, do that. I think if you like if you did a universal index, universal life policy and you were consistent with it, like you paid it consistently the same way you pay your rent or your car note you're going to be financially secure. And I think that's the first goal is to just be financially secure because so many of us, you know, we just grow up in a world where everybody is just a paycheck away from complete disaster. And I don't want that for you. So IUL will get you um, away from the shore, so to speak, where, you know, you're, 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 the distance between you and the, the financial ledge is greater. So you're not so, you know, like stressed out over, uh, over money. A lot of people are very stressed out over money. And I think that if you don't want your children to inherit that financial trauma of being stressed out over money and losing sleep over money, that's why you'll invest for them when they're early, when they're young. And you'll also 
um, teach them about economics so they don't have to go through the same stuff some of us went through. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Dr. Watkins, paying 11 k for an online MED degree. Online MED, ma what? Master's in Ed? I think that's not bad. I think the question would be, uh, Audrey, what, what are you getting after you're done? You know, if you're looking for a job, what does that job market really look like? You know, don't just take their word for it. Like, really see if you can get some confirmed statistics on, you know, how, how easy it is to get opportunities. Um, and then if that doesn't work, you may have to go into a space where you can learn how to build uh, some sort of business or brand uh, off of the education you have. I mean, your skill is valuable, but a lot of times it's a matter of finding the space where our skills will allow us to be uh, monetizable. Uh, and that's uh, and actually, if you guys are, are interested in it, in the Black Business School, we have something called Black Experts Empire uh, that's run by my brother, who actually created Great Black Speakers, the largest Black-owned speakers bureau in the country, and Al Duncan, who's made millions of dollars as a speaker. He has all these corporate contracts where he teaches soft skills uh, to engineers uh, in terms of how to, you know, just how to connect and communicate in the workplace. And they pay him a, a ton of money for it. And what they do is they focus specifically on helping black professionals learn how to monetize their talent. Uh, and so uh, I would encourage you to get in spaces where people are creatively monetizing their talent and not just thinking, okay, I gotta find a job. Because sometimes the job market doesn't give you what you're looking for. Sometimes the job market sucks. Uh, and so if you're interested, just go to the black, or go to boycewalkins.com. You'll see a link for the black business school and feel free to go check it out. Let's see here. Uh, somebody says she chose your ass. Who, who chose whose ass? Uh, whoever prefers you chose wrong too. Ooh, y'all in there fighting. Okay. Do do you help without having to expose my personal life on social media? Um, I don't know what that means. I'm sorry. I don't get that question. I don't think I exposed your life. I hope I didn't. Uh, is there another way to insert questions? Uh, just type it in the chat. Uh, let's see. Are you aware that 80% of countries around the world are developing their own central bank digital currency? Really? I didn't, I did not know that. Um, I, if you want to know my two my two cents on crypto, I think crypto will make a comeback. It's going to be mostly like Bitcoin, Ethereum, and the big boy cryptos. The the tiny little loser cryptos, a lot of those are dead. Those those what's happened is like that. Those those how can I say those um cutting edge, you know, very risky kinds of ways of making money in crypto, like the the DeFi and staking your crypto and you know these these um uh, stable coins that are supposed to be as good as cash. All that stuff background, all that shit went to hell. Like all that stuff, all those stable coins were proven to be unstable. A lot of those, uh, you know, those crypto uh, stakers, they a lot of those took away, took their, um, took people's money, uh, and and what they're finding is that they just don't have the bank, the 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 um, what's it, the backing of a central bank to protect them from situations like this. They're having a liquidity crisis because the crypto space was over leveraged because the people, they love to take a lot of risk. They love to live on the edge. Well, that's the problem. See, people tell you to live on the edge, live on the edge. The reason they were comfortable living on the edge was because the Fed made it easy to live on the edge. It's easy to live on the edge when there's like a big uh, mattress down on the ground that's going to catch you if you fall. You know, made out of cotton candy. Yeah, that's it's easy to be on the edge, but it's not easy to be on the edge when you're being pushed off the edge and there's nothing down there except concrete. So a lot of these companies are going to die uh, because they were too edgy. Sam Friedman, I think that's his name, who runs FTX. I don't know what he did, but I wish I could talk to him because he sounds like one of the smartest people in the world in the crypto space. And the reason I say that is because he is going around and he is positioning himself as a what they call a lender of last resort in this space. So what he's been doing is he's been picking up assets in the crypto space 
at fire sale prices. Like he bought a big gigantic stake in Robinhood because the stock had crashed. He went and made a massive loan to a couple of other uh, crypto trading platforms. So he's coming in as a central bank. And I bet you the reason he's able to do that is because he did the first thing I would do if I made billions of dollars in crypto is to get my money out of crypto. Not all of it. Not all of it. I'm going to leave some of it in there because I want a piece of the action, but I'm not leaving 100% or 80% or 90% of my wealth in crypto. Hell to the no. I'm leaving about 15%, maybe 20 if I really want to be enthusiastic about it. And the rest, oh, I'm buying real estate. I'm over here. I'm all up in the stock market. Oh, I've got, you know, 20 or 100 million or 200 million in cash sitting around just in case there's a disaster and I can go out and buy the world at five sale prices. That's smart investing. You have to be diversified. When people are not diversified, they get killed. That's how people lose everything. Whenever you hear about an athlete who says, my financial advisor, <clears throat> you know, lost everything. They lost all my money. It's probably because the financial advisor put all their money into, you know, a couple of businesses. Like, oh, we're going to invest in this bowling alley. We're going to buy the, your cousin's liquor store. <sighs> not, not smart. All right. Let me see here. Um, crypto will tokenize those asset classes. Okay. Uh, can we discuss the impact of celebrities donating to HBCUs? I mean, I don't think they're really donating at a high level. And, and I don't believe Diddy, honestly, when he says he's going to do something. I, I, I need proof because he doesn't have a lot of credibility. I mean, he does a lot of talking. But then again, maybe he will actually write that check. You know, and But I know that Diddy used to call Dr. Claude Anderson and talk about how much he loved poweronomics and make all these outrageous promises from what Dr. Anderson has said. You know, and Diddy didn't really follow through from what I understand. I don't think he's ever written a check. Uh, Ice Cube wrote a check. Ice Cube and I wrote a check together. Um, I asked him, I said, hey, you know, Dr. Anderson, they don't get a lot of financial support. A lot of celebrities reach out and they call and they talk a big game. Kanye was calling, you know, talking to Dr. Anderson a lot. I don't think Kanye ever wrote a check. Um, I get I told Ice Cube, I said, let's write a check. If it, and I said, I'm not and I'm not I'm not asking for your money. I get money, too. I said, I'll buy a thousand copies of Dr. Anderson's books if you buy a thousand copies. And he said, okay. So it was about, it was about maybe $30,000, $40,000. I can't remember the exact number. Um, and uh, and he was appreciative. And what was unfortunate and sad and kind of just upset me very much is Dr. Anderson said, you're one of the few people who's ever actually put money into the Poweronomics Corporation. Let's put money into his institute. You know, And, and then people like yourselves who bought his books. Uh, which, by the way, they're at powernomics.com. If you haven't got his books, I hope that you'll take a look at them. Uh, you know, and I just think that's that's despicable. I, I don't I don't I don't have a lot of respect for most celebrities. They have to earn my respect because a lot of them became very famous because white people put them on TV. They don't particularly have any tremendous benefit for the black community. But we look up to them because our self-esteem is collectively low. And we think that if white people have accepted you, then that makes you special. But the truth is, at the end of the day, I think you got to look at what are you actually doing for the community? Like, what are you really doing that's moving the needle? And so I'm not saying that the needle isn't being moved. I'm just saying that, you know, it's all a bunch of nonsense to me. It's a bunch of symbolism. Symbolism means nothing to me. Uh, let's see. You bought uh, you bought plenty of houses for 500 bucks. Who bought plenty of houses? Who are y'all talking to? Are y'all arguing? Um, are you a fan of schools bringing back over the knee spanking? I think there's better ways to discipline a child than spanking them. Um, I'm not. I don't. I'm not a person who believes that spanking will just traumatize the child and ruin them for life. I don't believe that stuff. I mean, unless you're like beating them with a, you know, with, I don't know, making them stick their finger in a electric socket or something. I mean, I I got spank. I got I got whoopings when I was a kid. Um, I didn't like it, and I don't. I think that there's better ways my parents could have done it. Um, but I don't 
you know, feel overly traumatized or resentful because of what happened. So I, I don't, but I don't think it's the school's place to spank a child. And I don't think that that's the best way to discipline a child. I think that we should talk to kids, listen to kids, kind of work with them. But I don't, I'm not, I'm, I don't believe in the way I see some white folks disciplining their, their kids where they just, the kids walk all over them. I'm not a fan of that either. Uh, let's see here. Okay. Uh, other questions. Let's see. Bought Poweronomics before it became a household name. Good for you. Is Acorns a good investment site? I like Acorns. I use Acorns. Uh, you are using some of my comments, but you passed the reel. My questions are valid and need to be heard. See, you can't just talk about your question. You got to ask the question. So if you have a question, like repeat your question and then I'll answer it. Will you ever do an in-person school in Chicago? Open an in-person school in Chicago? No. I support uh, my wife and I make donations to Freedom Home Academy International. Um, because that school's already there. It's extremely good, and they educate Black children at a very high level. So my wife and I have given a few thousand dollars to that school. We support, we gave a few thousand dollars to King Randall School down in Georgia, and we also gave uh, $20,000 to the um, Black Achievers Program in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, let's see. Lemire says, are you aware of a new financial system being underpinned by Black blockchain tech uh, is being constructed? No, I'm not. I, I mean, I, I've seen pieces of it, but uh, yeah, feel free to tell me more about it. Uh, let's see, uh, Dr. Boyce, do you think the feds are trying to not tell us that we may possibly be in a recession? Do you think the S&P may fall further in the next couple of months? I don't know if the, what the feds are doing, but most experts have concluded that um, the recession is here. The recession is already here and, and it's got you know high inflation coming with it, which makes it into stagflation. Stagflation is pretty bad. It's a bad condition. They cause it. Um, it's going to be tough to get out of it. But eventually the market will hit a bottom. And when the market hits a bottom, then people who purchase stocks at the bottom are going to start making money in the recovery. Remember, you don't make money after the recovery. You make money during the recovery. So that means that when the stocks are close to the bottom and you're buying consistently, that means that you're making money as prices go up. So pay attention now. If you have a company that used to trade at $500 a share and that stock just gets massacred and goes to 100 and you buy at 100 and then the price goes to 150. It's still a massacred stock, but you made a 50% ROI. Do you follow what I'm saying? Do you get what I'm saying? You so you made a killing, <clears throat> you know, because you bought, you know, when the price was low. So um, you know, I, I just really think people do it wrong. I think a lot of people don't understand that the, that you don't run away from the stock market when it's doing bad. You run toward it when it's doing bad. You run away from it when it's doing good, and you put your money in places that are going to give you a better yield. Because before the big problem was everything was so highly overpriced that just buying damn near anything meant you were going to lose money because it couldn't go any higher. So um, you know, that's my thought. You think it's a good idea to get a PhD in today's age? Yeah, I think PhDs are fun. I think they, they're worthwhile. They serve a purpose. Um, but uh, <clears throat> you just got to be really thoughtful about what you what field you pick and why. Um, a lot of fields don't actually have jobs. There's way too many PhDs in this country because there's a lot of people, places that just give crappy garbage PhDs. And uh, there's a lot of fields where, like, I know people who went to Harvard and studied, you know, I don't know, sociology or something. They can't get jobs. So it's like um, there are some fields where the doctorates just aren't in demand in the job market. But if you're a PhD, you're supposed to be pretty smart, which means that you should be smart enough to know how to monetize your talent. You know, the ability to kind of monetize your life and monetize your talent is, is incredibly powerful, because if you think about it, people who are stuck in like corporate slavery and all that, usually it's only about five thousand dollars a month that they would need to be free from the corporate slavery. And I remember thinking that I said, OK, if I can just find a way to make five thousand dollars a month without going to work every day, I'm good. I can live the rest of my life and be free. 
uh, entrepreneurs don't have a hard time doing that. Really good entrepreneurs, like people that are really trained on it, they take two or three classes on it and learn how to set up a business and get moving. Some of them end up making a hundred thousand dollars a month, you know. But if you never get exposed to it, you know nothing about it, then it seems like a foreign language to you. So if you and I believe every black person needs to be an entrepreneur, especially every black man. Uh, black men need to be entrepreneurs because they don't want to hire you. They don't like you. And also they're going to charge you with sexual harassment. If any of those girls hit on you and you decide to have sex with them, they won't do that to women. They'll do that to men because men tend to have power and the people with the power, are the ones who get held accountable. So ultimately I, if I, you know, when I talked to my son, I said, look, you're tall, you're handsome. He's my, he's not my biological son, but I'm his bonus dad. And I love him. And he's 19. I said, look, you're tall, you're handsome. I see the world where the girls look at you. Uh, when you get into corporate America, you're, you're smart. They're going to start hitting on you like crazy. And you cannot be in that corporate office sleeping with those women, even if they hit on you. Because if one of them gets mad and they go to HR and they claim that you, they, they tell a lie or they claim harassment or whatever, they will fire your black ass and they will ruin your reputation. They will ruin your whole career. So just be careful. And you probably want to make sure you save and invest and learn how to start a business in case they boot you out and blackball you and you can't get opportunities inside corporate America. I think that's the real conversation that black people don't have. Instead, you, we, you know, we unfortunately we, we put our kids in a position where they're just taught to totally depend on white people who hate their guts. Not that all white people are bad. I'm not saying that. But my good Lord Jesus, like I don't want to depend on people who don't care about me in order for me to survive. That's not where I want to be. Uh, and I think that we got to kind of talk about that and be very careful about that. All right. So let's see here. Um, some employers will not hire due to overqualified degrees. Yeah, they, that's true. That's true. Explain the meaning of corporate America. Um, just, just the job working for a corporation, whatever that corporation may be. Uh, that's what I'm thinking. Um, have that conversation with the quickness. Yeah. I think you got to warn your sons. When I went to Syracuse University, my father said, do not have sex with anybody on that campus. He, he said that to me back in 19, in 2001, 2001, he said that to me and I didn't. And I watched, I sat there and watched a professor. His name was Adam Banks. And I watched him, my same age, get caught where he slept with a student and they, um, she, she, she filed charges against him. Um, but it wasn't rape. It was like sexual misconduct, which I still don't know exactly what that means. Uh, and, um, and he was on TV with his mugshot was on TV. And uh, and I was like, whoa, my father was right because uh, nobody ever asked his side of the story. Nobody cared what his side of the story was. It, you know, but, but also he slept with a student, but she was grown. She was 23, 24 years old. So, you know, it was two consenting adults, but it was still inappropriate. But when I remember one time I said to an old, old, like an OG professor, I was like, I said, yeah, I can't believe some of these professors will sleep with the students. And he just laughed at me. He kind of laughed and he said. He said, do you know how many professors will sleep with the students? And I, I, I thought maybe I was naive. Like, I was like, well, I would do it. I, I would, there's plenty of women out here you can go sleep with. You ain't got to sleep with a girl in your class. And um, in fact, but but I, when I went to the Yale Club, I went to the Yale Club in New York this week, and I met a, a guy. He happened to be Jewish, and he's a really smart guy. He was a professor at Yale and also um, at Harvard. And uh, he was um, in, in, the, in the law school. And he told me, he said, um, he said there was one professor at Yale that has slept with hundreds of students. Like during the time that he was a professor, I said, hundreds? He said, yeah, hundreds of students. I don't even understand that. I don't even, I, I you know, and maybe that's a type of um, white privilege that's out there that I don't know about, or maybe that's like a type of just insanity, insane behavior that I can't understand. But, you know, I just really think, like, I think men just have to be educated. Like, you don't want to put yourself in hundreds of situations that are going to possibly ruin you. Eventually, it's going to catch up with you. 
you know, I mean, you can enjoy, you can enjoy your life. You know, women are great, right? But my goodness, like if you're just putting yourself in hundreds of vulnerable situations, eventually something's going to happen. Look at Bill Cosby. He's, he's, his whole legacy's ruined, you know, because he, you know, because the world would have forgiven Bill Cosby. If Bill Cosby could have cheated on his wife 75 times and nobody would have, they would have still loved him because he was Bill Cosby. But when you just do anything in excess and you're not careful and strategic with your actions, you open yourself up to tremendous problems. And I really think that we got to have those conversations with our sons. And and I don't know if enough people do. I don't, I don't know, but I'm not judging. I mean, it's like people do what they want to do. Uh, any ETFs I should research to buy or should I lo- uh, be looking at individual stocks? Um, Vanguard has a lot of good ETFs. Um, the S&P 500 ETF is, is I mean, that that's pretty diversified. And they have others that can help you pinpoint specific sectors of the market. But that's what comes to mind. The S&P 500 ETF, the ticker is, or it's called a spider and the ticker is SPDR. Do you agree with the mass exodus of teachers leaving the teaching profession? Yes, because we teach our teachers, we, because we teach, we treat our teachers so badly. You know, the, I mean, I would hate to be a teacher right now. I, God bless every teacher in here. God bless you. I love you and I appreciate you because we do not respect you. We do not respect those children. This is what's going to destroy America. We don't pay our teachers enough and we also put them through hell. Um, We also uh, don't invest in our kids. That's what's going to ruin our country. Our kids are dumb compared to the rest of the world. They're not ready for the future. The Chinese kids, they're doing like heavy calculus in the, you know, Eighth in the sixth grade, you know, we, our kids can't even read, man. And I, how do you think you're gonna compete when your children have like the adults are too busy twerking and whatever we're doing to like invest in the kids? So I'm just gonna say, yeah, so um, I don't blame the teachers for leaving, I, I would have left a long time ago. Uh, let's see here, um, maybe there's another way to teach, you know, like I, I teach, but I teach here, like on my own terms. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't go in the classroom. What do you see as the future of the woke thinking and the downward spiral in the economy? Um, I mean, I think wokeness will still be there, but I think, you know, there are people out here that have enough common sense to know which woke ideas make sense and which ones don't. Like the like the one, um, like this idea, like I was joking with somebody about how, you know, they decided that, you know, a, a man could decide he wants to be a woman and then go compete in women's sports in the same year. And, and, you know, and then go dominating the women, beating their asses and, you know, whatever. And and a lot of people are starting to just say that's not right. Like you can't you know, if you want to be a, if you want if you're a man, you want to wear a dress and be a woman, whatever you want to do. You're allowed to do that. But you shouldn't be allowed to go out and then compete with women, bringing all your testosterone and your muscles, you know, in, in, in what becomes an unfair competition. So I think people have um, their challenge. They're kind of pushing back on wokeness. Um and uh, but it's still here for here to stay. You know, there's some progress made in, in that area that I, and I don't have a problem with. You know, like I don't have a problem with gay marriage. I mean, who cares if people want to get married? If they want to get married. Let them get married. I don't have no issue with that. Uh, let's see here. Let's see. You have some good information, but you're getting beside yourself. God, don't God don't like ugly. And he ain't fine to cute. Are you talking to me? You, you, whoo, those are some pretty nasty comments, but you're not too nasty. So I'm not going to block you yet. But you keep talking crazy. You're going to go, man. Uh, let me see here. Uh, do you think China is a superpower? Yes, I do. Uh, are you celebrating the 4th of July? No, not really. I mean, I, I got black people in the neighborhood. They're barbecuing. I'm going to go hang out with them. But that's about it. Uh, what are some alternatives for teachers leaving the profession? Uh, you know, well, I like the, the online teaching industry is really, really big right now. Um, Daniel Leslie did a really great event today. And, um, and I know some people that are starting to teach classes online and stuff like that. 
there's a market for that. You know, I think it's a matter of figuring out what people want and offering it and find a few people that will be willing to pay you to show show them what you know. Um, so, you know, I, I think teachers have tremendous skill. I mean, teaching is a very powerful skill set to have. And I wouldn't assume that the only place is valuable is in the classroom. Am I coming to Los Angeles? Not anytime soon, but I am going to come soon at some point. How do you how do you use a pen? Um, I don't know. It's right here. Uh, best investment account for children. <clears throat> um, I think Stash has custodial accounts that you can get for kids. Um, that might be an option. Or you could just invest on their behalf and then just give them the money whenever you feel like it. Uh, I was a special ed aide and it was hard work, but worth it. Yeah. yeah well, God bless you, Mary Jane. That's a very important job. <clears throat> Let's see here. Uh, will the crypto markets get back to normal? Yes, eventually, but it's going to take time. Remember, though, Bitcoin... I know that everybody's upset because Bitcoin was at 60,000. Now it's down to 18 or 20 or whatever. But remember, Bitcoin was at like 2,500 not too long ago. So if you started investing back then, back when Bitcoin was one, two, 3,000, you've still made a massive ROI. And Bitcoin is maintaining its value pretty well. I mean, it's maintaining 18,000. That's, that's a big number. That's huge. You know, so, so we think it's small because it's not as big as it was before. But Bitcoin is here to stay. I, I, I mean, so if you like crypto and you believe in it, then go ahead and you know this might be your opportunity. I'm going. I'm buying. I, I consistently buy Bitcoin and Ethereum every week. I just it's something I just add to my portfolio. I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but I, I, I believe it's going to uh, recover at some point. How do you feel about developing more black male PhDs? Eh, I mean, okay. I don't see why not. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think I don't like academia. I don't like the racism and. And I think universities, I think they're a little overly committed to liberal thinking to the point where it just makes you want to vomit. You know, it's like like it almost feels like brainwashing or social engineering. And I don't think all the liberal ideas or all the conservative ideas are necessarily fit for the black community. I think we have to come up with our own ideas and stop letting white people tell us what to think. Um, how do I monetize my programming skills if I develop an app? Uh, go take a class on how to start a business. Uh, there, there are programs that specifically teach you how to take whatever skill you have and monetize it. Well, we have stuff like that in the Black Business School. So feel free to go to the Black Business School. You can um, go to voicewalkins.com. You can hit that link. But uh, there's plenty of stuff out there. you you got to learn how the key idea, the biggest skill a person can have to be successful money-wise, I think, is the ability to sell. If you have something that people want and you know how to sell it, and meaning offer it in a way that will make them say, oh, I think I'd like that. People spend money all the time and they will. And, and so and, and it's not even and if you have something people want and you help them understand how they can use it, you're not even really making a sale. They're happy to give you their money. They're like, great. I need so I need this. And, and and you got it. OK, here, where can I buy? Think about it. Think. Look at how much money we all spend. We spend money like crazy. It's not like I mean, I went I ordered Chipotle today. It's not like Chipotle really had to sell me their chicken. They just had to have some chicken available. And I, I wanted to give them my money. You understand? So so don't think of it as, um, you know, it's as, as like some overly magical process. Just think of it as like a skill set that you didn't get as a kid that I suggest you pick up later on. I, I really believe that it, a person who had that no good salesperson should ever be broke, you know, period. Uh, all right. So let me keep going. Uh, let's see here. Uh, any suggestions on venues that may accept a lecture from the minister of wellness? He's doing them at no cost right now. I'm in Chicago. Um, I don't have any venues. I like the Minister of Wellness. He's, he's, he's my buddy. He's a great guy. 
Uh, what do you think of the stock market? Is it a good idea to be investing now? Hold out a little longer. I'm investing now. I'm buying everything I can get my hands on. Uh, Dr. Umar Johnson has a great idea, but the execution of the idea is slow. Lack of organization. He needs a project manager. Check, check, check. I agree with every single comment you just made. How do you feel about abortion laws? Um, I'm, I'm probably pro-choice because I'm not necessarily going to go out of my way to stop somebody else from doing what they want to do. But at the same time, I'm, I have a bias because I was a great candidate for the procedure. And also, I think that the way we have that conversation is all wrong. I believe in father's rights. I believe fathers should have the right to have some say in what happens to their seed. Um, also, um, the whole my body, my choice debate. It's it's um what it does is it, it gives one group their rights. And unfortunately, it's at the expense of everybody else. So as a father, you told me I have no rights because you want to have rights because you want to have rights. I have none. Um, and so I just really think Planned Parenthood starts with who you plan to lay down with. Um, my body, my choice starts with the bedroom. It doesn't start with uh, the clinic. And I and I and, and that's where I stand on that. But it, in terms of me, you know, going out and fighting somebody's right to get the procedure. I'm not one to do that, but I will not participate in that procedure. If I, um, if I was with somebody that was pregnant, I'd, I'd be like, no, we, we, I want to have this baby because I don't, it doesn't sit well with my spirit. I didn't like them. Janelle, um, what's her name? Jamel Hill wrote an article where she basically was explaining, I guess, because, you know, they like to use black people as their, their pawns for whatever their agenda is. So they get Jamel Hill and she writes an article that that pretty much read exactly the way I knew it was going to read. And if you look at Jamel's background, part of the reason she also has like issues with men and all that is because her daddy was a drug addict. Like I knew this. I predicted these things. And then I researched and found out she said some first time I met my daddy, he was a high on heroin or something crazy like that. So anyway, I, it wasn't that exact words, but it was something similar to that. So she writes that, you know, she got uh, the procedure done. And she says, I did it when I was 27. I had plenty of money, plenty of family support. I just did it because my career was so important. That's selfish to me. I, I, where I come from, that's just selfish. I'm not saying that I'm going to beat somebody up if that's what they do. But my feeling is, then why not just not get pregnant? Why not? You know, what is this? So it, it comes off. It feels to me like there's just, you know, a, a, like this accountability thing that we have trouble with. And people feel that by asking for some degree of accountability for your children or your family that that you're being oppressive. And it's like, no, that's not oppressive. You know, it's it's just common sense to me. So, um, you know, I'm not going to be one to necessarily fight to overturn Roe versus Wade the other way. But um, also Roe versus Wade, remember, it was built just on a horrible lie. Um, I read the whole history of Jane Roe and. Jane Rowe was a really troubled lady. Like she was really like she she robbed a um, convenience store when she was 10 and ran across state lines with her girlfriend at the age of 10. And so uh, she got pregnant like three times before the age of 21. And the third time she wanted to get um, an abortion. And what she did was she uh, she lied and said a, a, a group of black men raped her. And uh, and so I just really think that all these conversations have to be had so we can kind of know that all this was built on a lie anyway. So, um, you know, I, I don't really I'm not necessarily going to follow it. Uh, I'm not necessarily going to fight against it. But honestly, um, it, you know, if you ask me, do I think children deserve to live or die? I think kids deserve to live. I, I just you know, I, that's just that's just what sits well with my heart. Um, should I should I do a tax deferred account to reduce my taxes? Uh, if you can. Yeah. Uh, do you trade in the Forex market? Not a lot. Uh, how do you feel about trades training instead of college? 
I think trades, Leslie, are awesome. I think trades, um, most people I know that have a trade make more money than people I know with a college degree. I know a lot of people with a college degree who um, can, ain't making no money. <laughs> you provoked me to read up on her. Thank you. You're welcome. Do you think Jay Morrison's going to be a billionaire? Yes, I do. Uh, and, and, and I mean, to me, he's already worth a billion dollars to the community because the, that Black House is amazing. You got to go check out the Black House one day. Um, how, do, how do you get mu music movie producers to admit they stole copyrights at gunpoint? I have no idea. That's, that sounds scary. At age 21, how to invest $1,000. Um, an S&P 500 index fund or something like that might be a good place to start. Uh, how do you feel? Let's see here. Um, next question. Uh, let's see. Somebody said, okay, stop it with the attacks on the liberals. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Always copyright your work. Absolutely. Um, let's see here. Oh, wait. How do you feel about... Oh, wait. Okay, I saw that question. I'm looking. I'm scrolling. Do you celebrate American holidays? Um, a little bit, you know. I mean, we do Christmas and stuff. Uh, let's see. Next question. Dr. Boyce, do you think someone getting a sociology degree can go into entrepreneurship and is this field lucrative? Yes. Um, uh, Sharif Abdul-Malik started We Buy Black. I think he's probably a millionaire by now. Um, and he was a social work major, which is pretty close to sociology. So absolutely. Um, I, th I think it doesn't matter what your major is as long as you learn and take your time to learn the skills you need. Uh, I need help with my finances. What is the best thing I should do? The first thing I should do, I would say uh, get in the habit of taking in information that can be beneficial to you financially, but don't pressure yourself, right? You know, just maybe pick a couple podcasts to listen to where they're going to talk about money and common sense economics and stuff like that. And then if you get to the point where you could take a class that doesn't cost a lot of money, maybe take a little class, you know, um, uh, again, we have stuff in the Black Business School if you're interested. Um, if you go to boycewalkings.com, it's all right there. Uh, if you actually go to blackmoneyminute.com and get an e-copy of my book, there's free stuff I send you. I send you lots of free stuff and free information. I talk about economics all the time, and I don't think there's a way anybody could listen to me on a regular basis and not be incredibly economically intelligent. If you watch more than 10 of my podcasts, your economic intelligence is probably higher, much higher than the average college-educated adult. Because I, I talk about concepts that, you know, can that are pretty high level, but I know how to reduce them to where anybody can understand them. I know how to apply them to damn near anything in your life. Uh, I'm good at this. You know, this is something I'm, this is what this is what I was put on this earth to do. And so uh, so really, I think a lot of learning is cultural and conversational. Right. Just, you know, with my kids, we just talk about stuff. We just have conversations. So my kids naturally are smarter. They use longer words and stuff because we're just naturally just talking about stuff. It's not like I sit them down and make them memorize a bunch of crap. It's like more like, you know, let, let me explain why you want to have your own business. You don't want to be told what to do. You know, so if you have your own business and you're making your own money, then you don't have to go to work and have somebody be mean to you all day. You know, my 11 year old gets that. We don't talk. She doesn't know how to fill out the form for an LLC and all that. She's going to go learn that because I, what I'm giving her is not so much uh, the specific information. I'm giving her the the value system. I'm helping I'm helping her prioritize how she wants to conduct her life. So she tells me she wants to be a dancer in Paris, and I'm like, okay, well, I've got some money invested for you. Uh, your dad does. I'm her bonus dad, so she's lucky. She's got two dads, and uh, and we take good care of her. We protect her, and and uh, and so you're gonna have some of that wealth. And then also you're going to have some skill so that you're going to have your own business. Let me let me show you, um, you know, how how filmmakers and stuff like that operate when they operate independently. And then you can go live in Paris and do whatever the hell you want, because you're going to create a life that allows you to have enough money 
that you can create the financial security where you can go out and do what's important in life, which is to be happy. The uh, to me, the goal in life is not to be the CEO of something or to be have some famous or some fancy position as a head manager of some company or to have some fancy degree. The goal in life is to be happy. And so I just said, look, I don't care what your profession is. I just want you to be happy. So if dancing in Paris makes you happy. Let's figure out a way we can finance that lifestyle that you want. And let's talk about that. OK, so um, I encourage you to have creative conversations with your kids. Also, um, I know. Sure. I know that, you know, I, I have a little a few more resources than most people do. But if you don't have the resources you need, don't don't sell yourself short. You know, your love and your attention and the knowledge that you pick up just from listening to people like me and by sharing that with your kids, that goes a long way. My grandmother taught me about economics and she never even she had a, an associate's degree. She never made more than twenty two thousand dollars a year. But she taught me things that that guided a lot, a big chunk of my life. My grandma just she would keep an old school little notepad and just a little budget on a piece of paper and and did old school grandma stuff. And her money, her financial game was air tight. You hear me? I'm talking about savings maxed out, credit cards paid off, credit score perfect. Like grandma was on it and did not make a lot of money to do that. She just had the right values. So what you must understand is that wealth building and wealth preservation is not about your training level. It is about your damn value system. What matters to you and how do you live your life? You know, so um, so don't don't sell yourself short. You know, it it's it, it, there are ways there. There's always something you can do. Your, your power is infinite, especially when it comes to your kids. But you, but you need to see that in order for you to be able to manifest that. OK. All right. I'm done talking. I'm getting kind of tired. So um, anyway, <laughs> um, by the way, don't forget July 7th. That's when we start our next Black Wealth Bootcamp. We're going to focus solely on stock options and how to sell stock options in order to generate consistent income uh, for your portfolio. It's a great it's a great tool to have in this stock market because stock prices are not going up the way they used to. They're staying pretty flat and sometimes going down. Well, if you're selling stock options, you're able to generate income even in a down market. So if that's something of interest to you and you'd like to get good at that, then feel free to go to voicewalkins.com and you can sign up. Look for my covered call program. Uh, also on Instagram, you can hit the link in the bio. Okay. All right, guys. Well, have a good night. It was fun. And uh, I hope you have a wonderful uh, holiday weekend and uh, save some barbecue for me. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye-bye.